Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Special thanks to Catapult Sports for providing us a coach's lounge to sit and talk with coaches on the podcast. And in this episode, we sit down with Jamie Hepner, Director of Applied Sports Science and Football Performance at Catapult. This gives us a little bit of an overview of all the things that we can do with data and technology and the analytics and there's uh, some fascinating things here some rabbit holes we definitely could have dove down but we stayed more towards top level here really to give you some ideas on how you can incorporate this as a coach as you move forward in developing your team the important part about all this information the data the science etc is that it helps you win games and develop your athletes and that's what we talk about here with jamie hepner director of applied sports science and football performance at Catapult. I'm here at the Catapult booth and sitting down with Jamie Hepner, who's a sports scientist with Catapult. Uh, does a ton of work with NFL teams, college teams, and I think can share some great insight with us today on it's here, it's not coming, it's here. All this technology and the data and the analytics that are really becoming important to this game. Uh, because it helps us win games and helps us develop athletes, right? And ultimately, those things, those wins, the, the way we develop our athletes leads to a, a better experience for these guys. So first of all, thanks for taking the time and joining me here. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, tell us a little bit of, uh, about how you got to this point, your background, and you know, from, from the, the beginning here, getting into the sports science end, that, that brings you all the way up to you know, working with 19 NFL teams. Yes, I coached for a, a number of years back in Australia as a performance coach, uh, working with AFL players, worked at the, the league there. And then um, uh, 2015 moved over and Catapult was a small little operation back then and not, not the big juggernaut that it is now. And, um, yeah, just kind of grown with it there. Now my role is Director of Sports Science and uh, for football. That basically entails consulting um, with our biggest clients, NFL teams and some bigger colleges on um, how, how, to, how to make sense of it, not make sense of it, but get something out of it, like translate this data into actionable right. actionable, you know, things. So um, it's a nice position. After eight years, you know, um, it was very different, the conversations in the day-to-day that you have in those first two years versus, you know, kind of year eight. Um, it's, it's nice to be able to go deeper, right? Like you're, you're building each year on the guys that you're working with and the coaches that you've worked with and the understanding. And, and it's not so much like, what does this number mean? It's like, 
Okay, I've got this very good athlete who's got this, there, or you know, whatever, some specifics in diving deep, which is, um, yeah, it's fun. So it changes by team, but uh, yeah, working with our clients. Yeah, it seems like more and more that that the gap maybe between uh, the, the guys who are uh, the strength and conditioning guys, the sports science guys, the analytics guys, and, and the position coaches on the field, that you know that that maybe gap has definitely been bridged. And I think guys see uh, on, on that, the gone field guys see the importance of this and how it can help them better coach their guys and trying to understand uh, the data a little bit better. You know, looking at how this progresses from a team, and you know, we got high school teams getting into this now, but a team who gets it in year one uh, versus how they move along, um, what does that typically look like for an organization? Depends on the team, you know, the people, I guess, more, more so than the team, you know, if that, that, that coach or whatever has used it in a previous spot. But, um, you know, getting started and, and, um, and using this stuff, you know, for me, it's uh, starting up a catapult, a, a waste of time and effort and, and money if it's not going to yield some, you know, tangible results. So, you know, my right. saying is uh, interesting data for fans, you know, actual data for coaches. Like, this, this is something, it can't just be like, oh, this happened and cool, you know, like how interesting or, you know, that's higher than whatever. It has to be, okay, what do I do about it? Right. Um, and then once you, what do you do about it, it's got to, you know, how much does that make us better? And um, in a lot of cases, you can apply that philosophy before you even look at the data. Like, what do I want to know? As opposed to looking at this data, tell me something. Okay, can we use Catapult? What does it say? I don't, I don't say it. You know, like it, it's number. You know, we tracked what happened. Um, so asking good questions of the data is, I think, a really good step and an important step. And you can do that day one. You know, um, there's a lot of coaches, a lot of programs will have have those things that exist. And I can go into teams and and and, and talk for an hour and probably get to some of those just from working in football for so long. You know, like. I know there's a challenge in a lot of places with managing the first day, 10 days of camp. Yeah, it's just a, right. it's a difficult situation. Um, okay, we're going to ask the data, what happened? What do we know to be of high risk? You know, what are you going to get out? Um, and what do we want to achieve? Well, like a, probably a pretty good, pretty good starting point of what we want to achieve is be physically peaking for the first game. You've had a month to do whatever you want, right? If you if you look bad on the, the first week after having full control over what you did in a month, you know, that's probably, you know, failure or less than ideal or whatever that is. Okay, can we use the data to ensure that? You know, I've looked at a number of teams' data years ago, uh, early days, and it was, you look at camp and it's just a regression of intensity. The guys go as hard as they can and at some point they slow down. If you're about to play your first game of the season, that's, that's, that can be challenging. Now maybe sometimes you're playing out of conference and you, you still win that game because you're playing a lower tier in your first three college games. Um, but that's happening less, like college teams are getting good out of conference opponents more and more now. So, you know, it's more and more valuable. Uh, playing good football is always good. So, you know, that's, a, that's an example of right. one of the things, uh, you know, starting points or whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's a broad answer, but some of the specifics, you know, volume. I think we do that too much. Uh, one of the, the common questions is, um, how much is too much? You know, like the magic number, you know, to right. which I usually try and dodge the answer because there isn't one. You know, I, the reason I consult is not because I have the magic number and you should do James' method. It, it is understanding the, the relationship between factors. Understanding the relationship between when I do a lot, 
I can do too much. When I do too much, I can get tired. When I get tired, I slow down. Okay, like that's a, a, a you know, it's a pretty well established concept, right? Sure. And the, now you can look at the data with that lens and say, how much did you do? Right? Is how fast and intense in your quality output the same? All right? Like, is that still what it was in, rela in relation to each other? That's a, that's a good starting point. So. Do as much as you want, as long as you don't slow down. That's a good starting point in terms of concept to apply the data to. I'm sure you've seen, you know, in working with these teams, guys who, uh, you know, have are starting getting into it every year. They're progressing with how they, they use it. And just thinking of, you know, the position coach and his particular group. How do you guys? How how do you see guys using this to help them tailor and? develop better practices, better yeah. you know, ways that they're going to use their drills, uh, the amount of, of uh, distance that these guys run in drills, etc. Yeah, it's a really good question, a, co a complex one, because uh, there's a lot of angles to it, right? Yeah. So I'll, I'll probably bite off a piece of that and try and answer. But um, yeah, first and foremost, this thing doesn't replace coaching, right? Like, and that right. was that was the early days a real like myth to dispel. Like it was, like, you know, I don't need it. I know how to coach, and absolutely you do. Um, and in fact, it, the the more relevant I can make it to football, the better. It, for, for a couple years there, all I did was watch film in every minute I had because the gap wasn't my understanding of sports science and data. The gap was me deeply understanding scheme, you know, to, to better than a fan, you know, would. so it was like talking to the guys I know in the NFL and walking through some, you know, advanced stuff like that to understand it to apply it. But, you know, a position coach, you're going through, you got some drills or whatever. Um, I'm a big believer in um, having broad guidelines of physically what, what does it need to be and what can we do better or whatever, and then operate with however you want it. You know, I like this drill, or I, I like that we do this, like I want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Great, like let's keep that. Um, what are the risks or what are the, what are the deficiencies, all right? So, some examples. Um, there's a high variability in the indie periods that I watch at teams, right? Like in big programs, and some are great, and some, some are, you know, I think could could improve um, at different times at different you know stages of the year for different content. So you got wideouts, um, you know, running a, a bunch of fade routes. Okay, we want to work on a fade routes. It's a good warm up. It's not fully intense, you know. But if you did 10 minutes of that, um, you know, in your in your indie period. Um, there's an implication for like how you're preparing for the for the game that week, right? Like um, reinforcing non-maximal output can can have an effect on your ability to maximally output, right? So whatever you, you'll do, be good at whatever you do. Put it that way, right? And so um, yeah, a little bit here and there, okay. But if you want to reinforce, you know, maximal route retention, like. Um, Progressions or execution, um, doing them maximally, you know, will will help with it. So, you got a high schooler; he needs to get better at running a dig. Okay, like you know, maybe that that concept doesn't apply. If you got five-star athletes at a school that, are, and your players are good, you know, um, so that progression I think is a big one. Right? Like understanding, like what do we need here? This player's already very good, and I'm wanting to work on this one little thing and rehearse these routes. Um, you know maximal as much as possible you know is a big one uh, and then so you say that so like you said what do I want to do like what do I want to see and then you just compromise and break down from there like you cannot run 20 minutes of indie non-stop with a group of five wide receivers maximally like that, you know, right. that doesn't work and that's why we do things so we either need to compromise intensity which is common 
or if we if we want to if we want to be intense, which I think is preferable, just compromise how we do it. Right. So like maybe it's three minute chunks. Right. So you netted less indie time. All right. Well, we don't want to do that. You know, we want to maximize practice. Okay, I'm with you. But what if there's a competitive advantage to compromising some of total work in that period by doing more quality work? So you do 20 minutes, you will you'll probably do less max reps than if you did five three-minute stints maximum. So like it's weighing up these things and then looking at the data on how they you know how they produce results. Um, but I will say that you know practice quality I think is the biggest determining factor in these in, in football programs for getting better from however good you are. The amount of practices you have, whenever you're doing those practices hundreds of times, you know, across a five-year career or in a high school four, you know, whatever, um, is the factor for getting better or worse or, or whatever you do. Like I right. said, whatever you do, you'll get better at. So we talked a little bit about, you know, looking at the individual periods there. Um, there's the aspect of, you know, the team periods in essentially that should start to mimic something what the game looks like um, and so you know you can't just be out there running plays at tempo up and down the field um, when in reality you know the, the drive the drives you might run are maybe six plays or eight yeah, plays yeah. right and uh, you know there's going to be time when do I work my twos in or threes in it yeah. saves those guys in there too. Create create practices though that also team periods also prepare you for the game. Hundred percent. So this this is a really interesting one. So like you, there's no one way, right? So um, there's a lot of ways to diffuse this bomb. And and starting with the same question, what do I want the result to be, is a good one. Um, but then there is some sports science that comes into it, right? So. Um, Okay, what do I want to be? I want to, you know, be able to be maximally intense on the weekend. Um, we're going to run this type of, you know, offense, right? It, it involves, it's pass heavy, and uh, you know, it, it you know, maximal drive length of this, you know, like likelihood of this, understanding that, which is pretty straightforward to to, to establish. Um, but then, how do I best get there? Like, how do I best? Right. What, what do I expose you to during the week to, to get you there? And that that comes down a little bit to need, but also understanding um, the conditioning element. So, um, yes, you want to replicate the game in some ways, but but just, like, if we played four games of football a week, we wouldn't necessarily be improving, right? So, right. like, which parts of the physical aspects are we trying to replicate, and which parts are, are, we, are we, you know, watering down? Um, like a marathon runner doesn't run a marathon every day to prepare for a marathon, right? They they run at, at race pace, right, and, and dose it, right? They do smaller doses. So the um, the training effect comes in, right? Uh, a good way to a good way to measure how much, right, is did I fully recover from it before the next one, right? So like that's a that's a pretty good general rule. Uh, and there's some basic ways to understand that. You could just ask players how they're doing. You could say, are you as good today as you were yesterday? Like, there's some basic ways. Um, so that's the how much you want to play a game, but you, know, you want to do something, some, some amount of a game. And then the, the rest of it, 
Yes, you can fully replicate it, i.e. like have a stopwatch uh, between, you know, for, for huddle length, um, you know, X amount of play drives, that sort of thing. Um, but you'll, you'll never, if they have to go up a gear or overtime, or, you know, those sorts of things, um, you're setting a ceiling, right? If you're, if you're always exposed to a certain, a certain um, stimulus. So, um, engineering slightly uh, some of the variables. So an example is if you want to, you want to increase the, the total intensity, having a little more rest between each one, you know, can be a way of, you know, like actually we ran faster in the during the week than we did on Saturday, and now Saturday is a little bit easier in that sense. If it's the opposite, if you want to run tempo and grind a team, you know, decreasing it, you know, by a little amount and running short drives so you can get through them safely, can be a way of engineering. So in practice, we give you 20 seconds rest between snaps. Now, on Saturday, I see 27 on average or whatever. This ain't so bad, you know. So. Um, gently overexposing to the to the one the one aspect of the that you're trying to enhance can be a good way. So taking things to the special teams phase, and I've had coaches uh, on the podcast just just talk about that how um, you know those those definitely are reps. If you're running full reps, that there's a lot of run in them. Uh, and you know being being the guy sitting in the room, the, the reports came back and everybody's numbers are up as yeah. far as their volume. Everybody looking at that guy. So, you know, how have coaches really looked at that in terms of creating, you know, something that has limited practice time, right? Everybody yeah. doesn't spend all their practice time on special teams, but being able to be the most efficient in how you create those those practice periods that are going to get you ready for game day. Oh, there's no good answer for that one. That, yeah. That's that's a, that's a tricky one. Um, being creative, <laughs> you got that one. I mean. There's just a number of ways you can go. There's no right. Like, um, like, do you, do you, okay, we need to expose you to what you're going to do. So, A, you know where, what to do and where to be on punt coverage. Um, and then you need to have rehearsed it at full speed, right? Um, okay, yeah, I get that. Let's do that as much as, you know, like, you need to. Needs a, needs a relative word, but need to. Right. And then... Um, but then can you compromise? Like, is there something I know we're good at or fine or could live with to over, you know, Rob Peter the South Paul type of deal? And that kind of seems, yeah, a bit silly or whatever, but maybe, like, there, you know, with rule changes and good kickers, like, if you're going to just smoke it out of the back of the end zone on every kickoff, do we need to practice kickoff coverage if that, if, if we can count on that? You know, like, what's the likelihood of it? Now, the, that made a lot more sense in my mind before the weekend. You know, I said, watching the Bills, <laughs> maybe it's not. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe I'll shelve that one for a while. But, but coming up with these ideas and, I guess, working within the confines of the limitations that we have, that I kind of said before, like having the freedom to operate. Um, but under no, you know, like preferably where possible, don't go over this. Like diminishing returns, right? Like. Um, I need to expose them to special teams. Okay, how much? This much. Okay, um, it's it's this much over, and they got tired, and it, it, it um, compromised our game day. So, like every extra one that you did, took something away from this weekend. And so, understanding 
if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, what it's gonna cost you. And I think that's where the numbers can come in. Right. So not right. setting rules of like you should do special teams this much or not do it or right, whatever. Right. It's okay, we need to do this, and if I do do it as a decision maker, as a coach, um, what does it cost me? And that empowers your decision, whatever that decision is sure. gonna be, a lot more. Um, if you suck on the weekend and you need to do some more of this, okay, like the physical uh, component of this next coming game is less likely to make us win or lose than this part of our tactical, you know, understanding like practicing more, right? Um, so knowing that we've got to practice more and we can practice till we're a bit tired, that's fine, like if you make that decision. But knowing knowing how much, you know, that, that, that's a key point in yeah. having the data not dictate what you do, but but empower your decision, inform your decision. In, in looking at, I think both the recruiting side of this, but also just how you're gonna kind of build your team, build your offense, build your defense, etc. cetera. Um, I think the, the one thing as this technology becomes available to, to everybody, right? And Catapult One being affordable for the high school level, I think you know, even, even the individual athlete have more and more now kind of standardizing the data on what an athlete looks like, right? I mean, you know, we go back to the old days and the, the data was somebody with yeah. <laughs> a stopwatch who may or may not have a fast finger, may or may not be yeah, taking yeah. some tents off of it. But now, uh, I mean, this, this data is not, not gonna lie, right? It's, it starts to be standardized in what athletes look like. And I think in, in my mind, I'm looking, you know, how I might use something like that is, I'd really wanna know, you know, what kind of data, you know, what do I need for the, these particular plays that are in my playbook? You know, how do they fit together? What kind of athletes do I need to run these? What am I really looking for? I mean, because we talk about it all the, the time. We want our players to be in a position uh, to be successful. We want to put them in those positions. And to me, this is probably as good of a tool as any that we've ever had to be able to start doing something like that. Yeah. Now, it, it, it certainly takes some thought process in how we get there and what that might look like, but I definitely see that, and I'm sure coaches already are doing this, the guys you have, that, that this is a tool really that can help you do that. Yeah, I've certainly seen it done a good amount, and it's really, you know, it's a more advanced approach and really, yeah, it moves the bottom line, you know, like, yeah, like tangible results. Um, you know, it comes down like you. Okay, I want to run this scheme, understanding what it needs, all that sort of stuff. You know, so there's two iterations of that in my mind. It is, um, I want to run this scheme, so let's build or recruit or whatever, get players that suit it, right? And so, from the physical standpoint, or all that, like Kenny, Kenny Carney, right? Well, the flip side of that is these are the players I got, and this is what they can do. Build a scheme to suit. You know, so right. yeah, like the. If you're if you're in a I don't know like a, a really good high school division, and you got I don't know 190 pound linemen uh, that that are you know freshman I don't know you know not as big as your opponents right yeah you know, winning games run heavy unless you're going to get the edge every play probably ain't going to work um, you know what are your strengths the 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 Bill Belichick model the Sun Tzu Art of War right find an opponent's weakness and exploit it so like. What are we better at them, the op opposition than, than than they are? You know, than we, you know, what, what are we better than them with? And then where can we, you know, expose that? So having a scheme that's really pass heavy, that's just a spread, like you know, air raid type of type of deal. Um, 
there's there's a demand for that. There's a high running demand and there's a there's a, a tolerance demand, right? They have to be not only fast to be able to run, but they have to do it a lot. They have to be able to do it a lot. Um, and so understanding if, if your players can do that, and if they can't, prepare them prepare them to be able to do that. And that's a reasonably straightforward you know, process. Um, um, and then it's okay if your your linemen are stand and deliver past pro guys. In fact, it's probably better. You know, you're going to run a whole bunch and run a whole option stuff. Like they, those big boys got to be able to move. A can they move? And B can they can they not get injured when you move them a lot? You know, are they mobile? You know, are they are they tolerant of of, of running? Um, and so you know, there's some clear things that you can you can look at. In even if it's not can they, it's have they done it before. Yeah, right. That's a good right. way of looking at it. Right. It's like, I don't know if they can or can't, and there's some subjective nature in that, but if they have never done it before, have I the utmost confidence that they will be able to do it? You know, that's a, a shocky line. He's done it before, he's done it for the last two years, he's done it in this, you know, setting or whatever. He can, you know, we know he can. Uh, whether it's in college or pros or recruiting, that's a pretty good method. Um, and then, but then the question is how, right? Like once you see that number, yes or no, haven't have or haven't got it. Like how do you how do you get there? So, so let's say it's lots of running. That's a common one. Like we're going to pass it a lot. We've found some guys that we you know think are capable or or, or could be capable. Um, how are you going to how are you going to get there or retain it? One of the big um, you know I think misconceptions that I've seen is. So you take that and then you say, well, what could it be if we were better? And you do, you try and develop too much. You try and get better at too many other things, which compromises getting better at all the things. It lowers the ceiling. So mm -hmm. um, if running quickly a lot is the is the objective for these for this position group, um, um, modifying certain parts of practice to to be able to do that more than than, than you could previously, meaning. Um, yeah, some rest or making practice not as long um, because uh, I see guys break with 500 yards and 12 miles an hour distance. I can do that and not break. So the, the, the point is that those players didn't break because of their high speed distance alone. They broke because they did all this other stuff, right? And then the high speed distance was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, you could do triple that with some, some more engineered practice, you know, like just just having some more rest in there, you know, like shorter shorter play drives, um, generally shorter practices and doing more of them in the week, um, doing your fast running before they're tired at the end of practice, maybe your team drills come forward a little bit. Like you, there's ways you can get creative if that is your, if that is your priority. Yeah. But um, there are some meaningful benefits in, in running fast a lot. So, yeah, that's a bad answer, but yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. As, as you were talking about that, one thing that came up is just got me thinking about it, like, in, uh, in looking at uh, the, the quality of how you're running a play or running a defense, you know, we talk about all the time, we want our players to play fast, like it's almost cliche, of course. Uh, we want them to play fast. Uh, have any coaches used you know, the, the technology to say, you know, we execute this play, you know, close to our optimal, our players are running their optimal speed or whatever, something to it in their learning, right? Guys will slow yeah. down if they don't know the learning. Yeah, and, yeah. and sometimes it's just very subtle. Uh, have, have guys used it to discern like, you know, this, this play is really good now, we're performing it really well, you know, physically, optimally in, in the, what these guys have? Were there? Um, not as much because the film is king, you know, right. like, um, and I think that that still remains so. So that you can come to that conclusion almost without the data. 
but there are a number of aspects where something similar uh, we, we look at. Like more of a broad, these plays or this whole period or this practice was good Less or bad or yeah, yeah. Less, whatever. And then, and then, you know, that's interesting, but actionable, like we started with, is, you know, what caused it and what can we do about right. it. Um, that's a really, really common one. So it's like um, evaluating with all the context, as, as much context as you can. So here's yeah. a common scenario, right? Like I do this team period and I have the same breakdown and this is the way I run practice and these players have seen it many times, right? And this week I did it and it yielded different results. They look like, look, look bad uh, <laughs> uh, today. And four weeks ago when I ran that exact same practice, they did it. Effort. They put in effort, I'm going to yell at you, or you know, like I'm going to say, look, whatever. Um, but that's looking at it with the lens of this practice versus this practice. A player is only, you know, is going to be able to perform relative to the, his status going into that practice. Meaning, if he's tighter this week than he was four weeks ago going into practice, the, the results will differ. He will run slower, you know, whatever, a number of things. So, um, establishing, like, there's two, there's two, like, um, cornerstones of will I play well or will I practice well this week? You know, like, if we're, if we're saying game day performance, like I want to just play well in all the games, um, you know, uh, absence of fatigue and presence of quality work recently. Right? Like, how tired I am, and that's a sliding scale, like a, a glass, how full is the glass of how, how beat up or tired or like residual fatigue, carryover fatigue that I'm carrying today or from, from previous things. And then, like, um, yeah, have I, when was the last time I went? That's a, that's a, a CNN, central nervous system thing. Like, and I use the example of, have uh, you worked all week, went home on a Friday, took a sleeping pill, sat on the couch and watched movies, had 12 hours good sleep both nights. Uh, when you got up for work on Monday morning, would you be ready to go? You'd be flat, right? Like all that just lying around and sleeping. But so that, so it's not just fatigue that we're talking about here. Like, um, you do not have fatigue because you just rested that whole time, but you still don't feel as, as you know, to play a full game of football. Right. And so the balance of this, like how much fatigue do we have as a residual? And when did you do some last good stuff? Um, is a really good starting point. A pretty easy one to like yeah, establish. Yeah, yeah. This is all great stuff and there's there's a ton of rabbit holes I want to dive down with you. Maybe we could get you back on the podcast and focus some on some specific yeah, things. Yeah. But I love the overview that you gave our listeners here today and of course our listeners can go to Catapult and learn more about this. But I appreciate you taking the time here. It's great to meet you here at AFCA. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Once again, thank you to Catapult Sports for providing us the space to talk with coaches at AFCA. We have more of these coming up this week with position coaches as well as other sports scientists. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.